This is Working the Beat. It is Thursday, September 12th, 2019. I'm Kevin Cooney along with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us here. So we get you set for another college football and NFL weekend as we... Baseball. And, yeah, baseball's still going. Uh, try saying that in this town. Um, see the crowd? Oh, you, you had a family well, emergency? Well, I, I actually did see part of the crowd last dude, night. It was awful. Dude, I mean, look, I, I get it. I'm not expecting 43 to be there. I understand. You're playing the Braves in September. Mm-hmm. You're two games out. It's kind of a big game. Now, people like me, I stay home and watch it because that's why I pay Comcast $200 a month. Um, You're getting off light with just 200 a month. Well, I've cut down a lot of what I... Believe me, I won't be with Comcast much longer. But anyway, there's nobody there. Now, I, okay, I get nobody, nobody in this town thinks they're going to make it. They're probably not going to make it, but they could. I mean, they, they're, they're not... And it was a big game. If they win that game, right? You know, I think they would have been one out, right? If if my math is correct, yep. or okay, and they would have eventually ended up one out because and the you Cubs got today, lost the West Coast. you know, you get, I don't know. I, I just I, I understand that what, was such an in your face moment by Dallas Keuchel and, towards the Phillies. Well, and that's a little, you know, I mean, everybody wanted them to get Marcus Stroman too, and he's been crap. So I get it. They could have had Dallas. I get it. Okay, and maybe they're a game in front of the wild card now if they have him. I don't know this. But all I'm saying is, I understand that maybe you're not thrilled with this team for whatever reasons, but man, and you have the right not to buy a ticket. Yeah, I get that too. But it just seemed to me like we always build ourselves up to be these great fans that we are. I mean, shouldn't there have at least been like 30, 32 last night? I don't know. But it looked horrible on TV. I mean, it really did. And of on course, a national game, we should point out, that's, too. Yeah, I forgot about that. And, and of course, Crocker's begging and, for a three-run homer. And, and, in the, and I love Crocker. Come on. And, and you mentioned the family emergency, and so I couldn't go last night. But I had thought about getting tickets and going down last you night. You could have got them cheap, I'll bet you. I, I'll bet to, you on StubHub. On StubHub to sit in the lower deck. Let me guess. Go ahead. What would they normally go for? I say these tickets that I were looking for would normally go 60. Uh, I'm going to say 25. 15. Oh, my God. See, if you had called me up, let's just mm-hmm. say, and I never go to games because that's just me. Mike, we can go down there. For, okay, it's going to cost us the park. We're going to get to $30 a night for whatever it is. I have four freebies upstairs that I can't use for tonight. <laughs> Wish you would have talked. Well, I think it's too late to contact my son, but um, wow. That's, that, you should let me know. Um, but I think I'm, I might have thought about it. Let, let's put that Sure. Way. I would have said, hey, you know, yeah, Kevin. And they had this great stat. They hit five home, four home runs on Tuesday, right? Five. Five. They tied. And then had five singles last night. But according to Ben Davis on the post game, they hit four balls hard all night. Whatever you, whatever their judgment the is. The velocity. 93 miles. Exit whatever. velocity, yeah. Four balls. And the two singles in the ninth inning were infield hits. Mm-hmm. I mean... This is the 2019 Phillies, and this yes, is going to be the legacy. And I'm, I'm sure in the future weeks, in fact, we'll probably talk about this. If they lose tonight, I I keep saying I mean, because I'm the one that says until they're eliminated, they're not eliminated. If they lose tonight, it's going to make it tough. Oh, I think they're done already. Well, I don't think you're done when you're and, two out. Even no, though, but, but their schedule their next schedule's week hard. is just brutal. doesn't mean they can't win, but their schedule. I still think Milwaukee, even though they lost Yelich, which is – a horrible loss on a freak play. Their schedule is really easy. The Cubs, I think, have some home games because they can't win on the road. If the Cubs have to go on the road in the wild card, I mean, come on. Yeah, the Nats haven't been playing great. No. 
Um, but I think the I think Milwaukee's going to get that second spot. I don't. I just think they got the easy schedule. Coming up on today's sh- uh, today's show, uh, we're going to be joined in a matter of moments by the legendary. And I said legendary last it's week. It's a fair but, word. But this guy has been iconic. an institution. Iconic. Institution's a good word. For 30 years, it's Angelo Cataldi from the WIP Morning Show who um, has been uh, literally around, is one of the pioneers of talk radio in Philadelphia. We had Howard on last week. He's one. And Angelo is another. And we'll talk to him. I know he's been on the Matt Clintac thing for a while, yeah, well, obviously about the Eagles. And I want to talk to him. He's had his moments with the manager, too. Yes, he has. But I want to talk to him, too, about how you keep a show fresh and I was going, going I was after going go 30 ahead. years. Real, real, real. When he first came to town as a writer for the Inquirer, I think he came from Providence. Yes. Okay. I show up at, um, I want to say Marion Tennis. I don't know, somewhere on the main line. And Patrick McEnroe was playing. So they sent me out. To do so. and, and Angelo's there doing it too. And I met, you know, hey, how you doing? I know, I know. And um, I don't, I'll bet you Angelo doesn't remember that. But I don't know what year it would have been. Oh my God. Well, early, early 80s. 80s. Early 80s. So Angelo will join us then after the interview with Angelo. We'll get into our our picks for college and pro football coming into this weekend. Um, I, I had a, I think both of us had a decent don't week in the there. pros last yeah, week. I, I, here's what you got to remember about betting. And, and I mean, the four amusement done, only picks. When you're done, they're done. If you go four and zero, that's wonderful. But they're done. They're they're people want to know what you're picking this week. It, it doesn't. It's it's. Um, and at the end of the year, you hope you won fifty five percent of your games because that'll cover the vig, and yeah. everybody will be happy. But people can listen to our opinions, and that's great. And I go on Better's Insider and give opinions out, but they're they're only my opinions. Yep. So that is what's up ahead here, and we'll get it kicked off with the legendary one. It's Angelo Cataldi here on Working the Beat. And joining us now, it is an honor to have this man on. It's rare that you get a legend in broadcasting and in Philadelphia sports media history, but we have him on. It's royalty. Royalty. Radio royalty. 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 It is the host of the WIP Morning Show for now 30 years. It's Angelo Cataldi. Angelo, how are you? I'm great. By the way, that Kevin Cooney is never that good to me when he's on my show. He's always <laughs> giving me a hard time. He always has All good things to say. I'm royalty. Angelo, he always has good things to say about you when he talks to me. I've never oh. once heard him say anything like remotely. I can never match your intro, Angelo, which is the best ever and all that. So I appreciate Well, Mike, we've established you also have a lack of credibility right now. I think we're ready to start with this. <laughs> I, hey, it's, I, ne- I never said my credibility was good. Was, you know, was, um, Angelo, I, would be, I was telling Kevin when... Early 80s, when I was first starting out, I went out to, um, I think it was Marion, tennis. I'm not sure. And to do a story on um, uh, McEnroe's brother. And you were there. And I think you had just been in town for like a week. And I'm sure you don't remember me, but I remember it. That You know, I said, hey, how you doing? And you said, I'm Angelo. (laughs) I just got here from Providence. Um, So I was probably the first person you met in the media. That's crazy. And you survived that. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm telling you, you don't understand. The first year I was here from Rhode Island, I like I just looked around. And I could not believe that I was in a big city. You know, if you grow up in Rhode Island, it's so small and everybody kind of stays there their whole lives. 
And I'm here and I'm thinking, man, I made it to the big city. How long before they figure out I have no idea what I'm doing? You know, it was like, it was an amazing thing the first year. I, I remember it so vividly, although I have no memory of you. So clearly you weren't all that impressive. <laughs> I was the short guy. I was the short guy. Yeah, that, that, that narrows it down in the Philadelphia media, the short guy. Right. Um, but it was, this is, this city is very intimidating for somebody who grew up at a little place like Rhode Island. Angela, there's been a lot of people who have come in and out of this city and, and moved on to other pastures. I mean, you were nominated for a Pulitzer. I mean, you were people, people, because of what's happened the last 30 years, people sometimes forget how good a writer and a journalist you were. Why did you make this your home? Um, I, I really didn't like living in my hometown. I, I trash it all, all the time. I just never thought it was it was minor league uh, the thing about it was i i ended up covering a lot of the boston teams i covered the red sox some i covered the celtics quite a bit and there was so much hero worship there and it was like i want i like a more critical approach and i always looked at philadelphia as like the place because um back then man you got to realize the great great writers in this town with um uh, i'm talking about stan hockman ray didinger when ray was a, a general columnist and those guys took no prisoners bill Conlon was a baseball writer that ripped the team he covered every day that was always to me that like that was the model that's what i wanted to do more than anything else and it wasn't rhode island at all so i always wanted to come here i ended up getting here because i won some national contest for writing a column about thurman munson after he died and uh the guy who ran the choir jay searcy back then saw it at the awards ceremony and and like it still it took him like a year after that to finally offer me the job but my bags were packed for a year. I was dying to get out of there and come to a city like this. This was my first choice from the time, you know, I was in my mid-20s in Providence. I just thought that the psyche of Philadelphia and sports matched mine the best. And all these years later, I still feel like it does. Angelo, when they first came to you and approached you about doing radio, um, and, you know, for people that don't remember, I mean, you were on with Tommy Brookshire for, for a while. Yeah. What was your thoughts then? I mean, did you think, you know, what am I doing? I have a good job here at a, at a good paper. Like, why am I going to do this? Um, and did you ever think it would amount to what it amounted to? Oh, God, I didn't think it would amount to anything. But I was ready to try it. First, Al Morgan and I did it. Al kind of talked his way in where they had just changed the format at WIP to all sports. And he, he kind of convinced Tom Brookshire that we should do an hour show on from nine to 10 in the morning called the morning sports page. We did that for a couple of years. And toward the end of the second year, I had about had my fill of working at the Enquirer because I was doing investigative stuff and things that required lots of lawyer analysis. I would write something and it wouldn't appear in print for a couple of months and there was so many fears of litigation and it was very hard work and i got frustrated with it and i said i definitely want to leave the inquirer i i don't know what i want to do and i had a job offer at the la times i was going to cover the chargers half a year and do uh, project work the other half and these guys came along and i swear to god the only reason i made this decision to go into radio they offered me fifteen thousand dollars more than the la times did I took the money and I said, you know what? I'll do this for a year. 
And then after this bombs out, I'll go back into writing. <laughs> Little did I know newspapers were already on a downward trajectory. You know, they were already <laughs> heading down. And I did it with Brookshire for two years. And by the second year, Tom had made it clear he was bailing. He was getting out. He wasn't planning on getting up at four o'clock every morning. And he worked his ass off when he worked the morning show. And I went and everybody would say to me, well, you're dead water now once Brookshire stops carrying you. And it took a long time. I mean, years to where I felt confident enough that I would be able to do the show. And we had it out. We had Tony Bruno. We had a lot of other people that were you know, good at the at the radio game. But this was no plan. All right. This was a year or two hiatus before I did what I was groomed to do my whole life. And it was newspaper work. I was so lucky because I would have been bought out by a newspaper 10 years ago. I wouldn't be at a newspaper right now. I'd be retired a lot younger and a lot poorer. So I really got lucky with the way it worked out. Angelo Gataldi joins us. And Angelo, with that being said, and I know you love newspapers. You and I have talked about this. Yep. How sad. We all do. Yeah, we all do. I mean, <laughs> um, couple, very much. How much is it? How sad is it for you? I mean, you know, you have a lot of good writers on every every day, every week on your show. But it seems like the industry, especially in this town, has changed. Not just not just newspapers in the newspaper industry, but even I think your industry has changed where it almost feels like the city has lost some of its edge a little bit in its media core. Would you agree? One hundred percent. I agree. The, the edge that they had, I was referencing, you know, mid 80s uh, when the Stan Hockmans and Ray Didinger's were uh, in this town and um, even Bill Line, the brilliant writing that he gave. There's nobody coming close to that right now because the whole mindset is different. It's newspapers now have some sort of a symbiotic relationship with the teams they don't go after them the way they did before. The checks and balances that were so great about Philadelphia sports writing in the 70s and 80s aren't there anymore. A lot of guys just do the job because they want to be around athletes and they want to they want to watch you know sports events. They don't look at it with a critical eye. Look, I went to Columbia University, all right, and and I was there about a week, and I had to pick out a master's thesis to do. And I was brought in by my advisor, a guy who had been uh, the executive um, editor at the Louisville Courier Journal. His name was Norman Isaacs. And I said to the advisor, I want to write sports. And he shut the door in his office. And he said to me, don't breathe a word of that to anybody at Columbia. Nobody will take you seriously. And he said, if you're really going to do it, you got to cover a sports team the way you would cover City Hall. You got to ask the hard questions. You got to write the hard news, and you don't give them any breaks. Do it that way, and you at least you know they'll be you'll be worthy of this education you're getting. And I, I'll tell you, that's the best lesson I ever got in my career because that's the way I did it. And and all these years later, although this is not journalism I'm doing now, I still apply those same hardcore standards that I was taught in college because I really think that's the way it should be done. Nowadays in our city, it's not there. There are still a few guys with some journalistic ethics and background to them, but 95% of these guys are not asking those questions and are not holding the feet to the fire that they need to. 
that needs to be done, and I'm not sure it ever will be again. Is, is that why sometimes, Angelo, when you have, like, you know, Gabe Kaplan this year a couple times, you know, or it seems like everybody say, well, Angelo's not afraid to to ask those guys, you know, what everybody else, but maybe you're just doing what we used to do. Well, the, la- the last lingering part of that education and the journalism background is the, are the interviews. Right? The, I still kind of do the interviews the way I would if I was sitting down with somebody and writing up a story. And yeah, I, I always look at it and I go, you know, I will ask softball questions, but they usually designed to warm the topic up so I can go after the harder stuff on the back end of the interview. But generally, the last four or five questions I'm asking in an interview with a Kaplan, those are the ones that I'm really looking to see if I can get a strong answer to. Um, yeah, I, honestly, that's the part of journalism that remains the same. You gotta, you still gotta ask the tough questions. But even I don't do it the way I did when I was in newspapers. When I was in newspapers, I covered Buddy Ryan. He didn't speak to me for half of the season that I covered him because he didn't like the way I asked him the questions. And I'll be honest with you, they were rude. I had a ruder style back then. <laughs> you know, but we were, I saw us as kind of like antagonists. I didn't see us as part of the same team. You know, nowadays it's much harder to do that. And I've softened up a lot too. I'm, there are times when I'll be um, asking a question and doing an interview and I'm going, God, I hope the people that taught me how to do this are not listening right now because this is not the way they taught me. Angelo, you've been doing this now three decades plus or whatever it's been. And I know there's always rumors, you know, okay, he, he, how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep yourself fresh um, so that the audience doesn't get bored with you? And, and what makes it so you say, hey, I want, I want to really win tomorrow. I want to have a great show tomorrow. What is it that keeps you going? I love it more now than I ever have. You know, as I've stared down the barrel of retirement, which at my age, this is the time you do it. And the more I realize how much I'm going to miss it when I don't. But but even in the years, like, there'll always be something like the Eagles of 17 coming along. And you, you'll experience something so overwhelming and fantastic that you look around and you go, man, I can't believe I got such a cool job. I, it took me a lot of time to realize what a great job it is to come in and talk sports with a city as passionate about it as Philadelphia is. I love it now more than I ever have. And um, they're going to probably have to kick me out the door. <laughs> I thought, I thought I would be, the they may one not that, do that. You know, they may never do well, that. I'm in the final few months of a contract and the world of radio is changing too. too so That's I true. don't even know if I'll be around for the end of this football season, guys. I don't have a contract past Christmas, so I'm not sure how my thing will go. Oh, you see the turbulence going on in our business right now. Yeah, uh, Chris no Carlin. Given. Yeah, Chris Carlin up at WFAN. Yeah. I mean, you that know, was and, and for getting higher I, ratings. <laughs> Mike Francesa retired for a while. It's a, it's a, it's a chaotic time in our business now too. So I can't be sure of anything, but I, I guess what I'm sure of now is that I still really love it, and when I go in every day there's always something that excites me enough so that I don't have to fake being enthusiastic about what I'm talking about. And I, you know, that's the easiest part that somebody, you know, the greatest advice you can ever give to a young guy when he's in college is to say to him, listen, you need to find out what you love the most and then figure out a way to get somebody to pay you to do it. 
start right now at my age, 68, I am there. I am doing something I love and somebody's paying me for it. That's a pretty cool place to be. I'm real happy to have that opportunity. Angelo Cataldi joins us. Angelo, let me bring you back to the Kapler subject here because I find him a fascinating study because of the interviews that you've had and and some of the the conversations I've been able to sit in with him because, look, I think he knows that he's an unpopular figure in this town. He knows he gets it double-barreled. He's a polarizing figure. Yeah. What did I say? Controversial. Same thing. Polarizing, controversial. And I, I, I think the thing that get, I think is different than other people, and I'll use Andy Reid as an example. He takes it. He comes on your show every week, and I understand there's a contract between the station and, and the Phillies for him to appear. But he, I don't think he's missed a week with you. I mean, he, and and you know, he answers every question as directly, I think, as you can expect. Yeah, you know, to me, he's a fascinating figure. Even if you think he should get fired at the end of the year. I want to tell you, I never thought I would be in the position I'm in with Gabe Kapler right now, because when we've done deals where a coach or a manager comes on our show, um, you want to give them a little more latitude because there is some sort of a business partnership there. This year, I decided I wasn't going to honor that this year when he started to say things that I thought were not good and managing games that I thought were costing the Phillies important games, I would dime him out to the extent that I said he should be fired. And I knew when I was doing that, I was probably ending the contract because I don't know any other radio station that has a guy appearing regularly and the host that interviews him has called for his firing. But I did it and he was okay with it. And I couldn't figure it out. And I went, how is he okay with that? Four days of the week, I'm saying he should, he's a terrible manager, should be fired. The fifth day of the week, he's on the show. And I was acknowledging it. I was bringing it up to him just so I wasn't like hiding behind that kind of thing. Like a hit and, and run thing. Yeah. He was fine with it. And then it all, I finally got to understand it. When they hired Charlie Manuel to be the hitting coach, Gabe thinks I went through six years of his tweets to find out that in 2013, in a tweet, Gabe Kapler called for the firing of Charlie Manuel as the Phillies manager. But I confronted him with it during an interview. And I went, you know, Gabe, back in 2013, you tweeted this. And I read the tweet. And I went, he's going to try to weasel out of this. And he went, I was a part of a media. I was a part of the media then. He worked for Fox. Right. And that was my job. And I said to him, you mean like mine is now with you? And he said, exactly. <laughs> so he got it. He understood it. My bottom line on Kaplan now is he's actually a good guy. It's just a bad fit for the city. It's a real bad fit for Philadelphia. And that, yeah. fall, and that falls. In, I couldn't agree with that more. I think he's, you're exactly right, Angie. And that falls on the people who hired him. And Andy McPhail, yes. who you have never had Andy McPhail on your show, have you? Uh, one time when he first came into town, he's, uh, I, I, he comes across to me as kind of a smug, sanctimonious guy who wouldn't want to lower himself to this more than once or twice a year. And why bother with these people? They're radio people whose job is to make everything sound worse than it is. Yeah, I, I don't like Andy McPhail at all. 
and I am I am more puzzled by the day that John Middleton would be impressed with him. Um, his last you know important accomplishment was more than twenty years ago. Uh, he needs to go. And I know your feelings on Matt Clintac. You've been pretty vocal right. for a year oh, or yeah. two on Matt. Um, are you fascinated? by what John Middleton will eventually say at the end of the year with this, with this organization uh, and how he portrays this. Not say as much as do say, if he keeps these people in place, it won't matter what he says. He has to get rid of them. And by them, I mean, at least McPhail and Clintech. It's funny. And I assume that would get rid of Kaplan. These three guys cannot stay unless they make the playoffs. They can't do it. They won't sell to the right now. They're in a pennant race. They're close to a playoff spot. They're getting 23,000 people in a building that they felt every seat of yeah. six years ago. Yeah. Um, it's just a terrible business decision to keep these guys in place. They're not connecting with the city at all. People are, are tuning out the team in the most important month of the season. If you're a businessman who's a billionaire, and you can't see that these guys are bad for business, you're not a very good owner. I expect Middleton to do something dramatic at the end of the year unless they make the playoffs. So, so Angie, like, let's say they miss by a game. No, you, you would doesn't get, matter. But, but, but I'm saying, we're, we're saying then the difference is a game that you, I agree yes. with you. I don't disagree with yes. you. Okay. And no, honestly, I think those, to- I think what you said about those 23,000 seats, I, I texted Kevin last night because he was in the hospital with his daughter, and I just said, I can't believe the crowd at this game when, for a September game when you're, I don't care what you think about their chances. They're still playing for something. When you can get lower level seats against a team that's going to the playoffs and another team that is trying to get to the playoffs and your rival, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, for yep. a 75% markdown, you know, $60 tickets for 15. That says a lot about where you are as an organization. People don't want to go. Absolutely. It, it's a business now. It's not even baseball. It's yeah. business. Yeah, you're this right. is bad for this city would love. It. They don't like these guys. These at the team. There are people on the team that are very worthy of our approval. Real Muto. Harper's had a terrific first year. Nola is a great, great competitor. Kingery. There are people Kingery's on good. the team. Yeah. Kingery is Kingery is born for this city. Yes, right? he is. Yeah. The way he hustles. He's little. But he's little Utley. <laughs> yeah. But the guys above him. All right. McPhail, if we don't make it, we don't make it. That's not acceptable. No. Clintech, it's not about one year. It's about five. Not acceptable. Kapler, with all of his analytics gibberish, they don't work in Philadelphia. This is coming from somebody who's done it for 30 years. It's clear to me there's no connection between them and the city. And the city's not going to get behind these guys unless they win 20 games in a row and are dominant in their division. The, and that doesn't appear to be imminent with Atlanta being as good as it is. These guys have to go. And especially, simple. especially if you end up finishing fourth in your division, which is very uh, possible. With the well, I don't care tough. if you're third or fourth. It makes no difference to me. Well, Angelo, <laughs> let, let me switch to the Eagles real quick. Um, yeah. You know, there's been years where you come in and you're optimistic, but you also kind of know at the back of your mind that there's a limit for whatever the Eagles are going to do. Yep. It's amazing to me that – even as bad as they looked in the first half last week, people are still right there and still, still fired up. And, and, and you look at a game like this week they did against boom. Atlanta. They did boom. They did boom. But guess what? I think I think that was a 
temporary boo. You, yeah. don't, you don't boo in the first <laughs> half of a game. I'm sorry. That's yeah. me. Okay. Where do you think this franchise is right now? And is are we still almost in a little bit of the love-in after what happened in 17? I First of all, I, I loved the boo immensely. <laughs> right? but because that's Philadelphia. See, yeah. that's what kind of made me love the city. Even though the writer's not that harsh anymore, a lot of the fans still are, and I love that about them. Um, I, it, it, what it comes down to me is real simple. They look at the potential of Carson Wentz, and they go, my God, how good could he be? And as long as you can see the upside of that guy, who was 10-1 and one when he got hurt two years ago, and had a major, major, he was a major factor in them winning the Super Bowl. He's 26 years old. He's going to be around for a long time. Yeah. And I think a lot of the people in this city look at him and go, the sky's the limit because the sky's the limit for him. And I think they love Peterson. They've really come around on Howie Roseman since he came back. There's just a lot to like there. Even over time, Jeff Lurie, who's kind of a little bit of an elitist, he's kind of really started to connect with the fans way more than you see with the Phillies. No, I think, you know, there's no pretending that that Eagles team that's on the field this year has a chance to do great things. And if it doesn't, we'll always have 17, won't we? We'll never forget 2017. It's the greatest sports season of my life as a fan. Did you think, and did you ever, I mean, you were kind of resolved to the fact that you wanted to see that while you were still in the air. So uh, much so. Um, yes. It's because you didn't want to do wing bowl anymore. When, when Chip left that, yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm not even going to get into that. <laughs> when, Please don't. Yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> when, when Chip left, did you think that the, that window was pretty much gone for you? To yeah, see the Super Bowl? I did. Because normally, you know how it works, Kevin. you got to rebuild. It, it takes time. And it's it, then Doug Peterson, what, what a, an Andy Reid protege, that's not going to work. Now, the, this, the story of how the Eagles turned it around that quickly and did what they did, it's just such a beautiful story. I mean, it's why I'm a sports fan. Because, you know, maybe in real life, things like that don't happen very often. But in sports, it's possible. And I just love that it happened. And I love that when it did happen, it was with a team. I mean, Nick Foles, all the great players that are on that team. We loved them all. Malcolm Jenkins. They're all so likable. They're all such good people as well as good players that it was just, it was the, it was the Cinderella story. Which was not always the case with the Eagles. And you know that better because no. you used to get a lot of crap. I know from people behind the scenes. Uh, Absolutely, Andy, Joe, Banner Joe Banner ruined years. Joe Banner you ruined sixteen years of the history of the Eagles for so many people, and and even the Phillies team of 08, Kevin. I couldn't stand Brett Myers at all. I just couldn't take him. So there was always somebody, Adam Eaton, right? There were guys yeah. that you go. Ugh. I, there were nobody like that in seventeen. There's really nobody like that now, and it's like that's a team I'd love to see go really far. Because it's the kind of team you want to root for. Who's your least favorite person that you've ever associated with in the radio game as far as trying to have an interview? Your worst interview? Worst interview. Wow. Um, I could tell you that one of the worst people I ever had to deal with was Rich Cotite. Rich Cotite had a, a, a now this goes back 25 was years. Was this before the Conklin chart bit? <laughs> oh, no. This was, let me tell you, Rich Cotite was a horse's ass the whole time 
the fact that he became irrelevant in sports is one of the great thrills of my life in radio. All right. This guy had a deal with us to become, you know, a weekly guest on our show. This is when I was with Brookie and he would come on every week. The offense coordinator would talk about the next game and stuff like that. So the morning after the season, Norman Brayman, the owner of the Eagles, fires Buddy Ryan. And he's going to make a decision that day on who's going to replace him because he doesn't want all a whole new cycle to go by with people trashing Norman Raymond. And we had a deal with him and he was scheduled to come on that Monday morning. And I talked to him off the air before he came on, before he was scheduled to come on. I said, uh, Rich, this is our wrap up for the year and it's perfect timing because you're a candidate for the job. And he basically told me to go to hell. I'm not coming on. I got more important things to do now than talk on your stupid radio show. And he blew it off. Wow. And it the whole year, he had been an awful interview anyway. Now, what's an offensive coordinator going to tell you before a game? You think he's going to give you the, the game plan? It was a dumb idea to get him on. It wasn't my idea. And then the one time he was going to be newsworthy, he couldn't do it. He, he, he didn't have enough intestinal fortitude to step forward. So I always hated him. I thought he was an awful guy. But th- I mean, there's a lot of them. Ryan Sandberg never, he was another guy that, uh, Kevin, you know him. I, it, it, uh, Ryan, Ryan was a nice guy, but Ryan was yeah. boring as hell. He was terrible. He made no effort to, to connect with the city or to give straight answers to questions. Honestly, I could sit down, I could think of 30 of them, but those are the ones that pop right out of my head. Guys that I just couldn't take. My our final question here, you've you've mentioned Al and you yeah. obviously Rhea, who's been with yeah. you a long time. You've had pretty jo- good Jonesy. Jonesy, you've had pretty good loyalty from a lot of people who have been on your staff and working with you. How much is that family atmosphere help kept keep you going all this time? I'm telling you, it, it's amazing. I love these people. I don't have any friends. I I say that on the air, people love me, but I don't. All right. These are people who have stayed with me forever and ever and ever. And they've all demonstrated the same qualities. Even now, deep down, Al's there when I need him. Al's there. When a situation's going on with our show, the first guy I lean on is Al. He's always got the best advice. He always, he'll deal with this tough stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Rhea's as hard a worker as you'll ever find in the world. Keith Jones is the most loyal human being I've ever met in my life. I can't tell you how many times he's made calls for me when I had a, a, a serious situation associated with the job. Joe Wechter, mm-hmm. 30, he's been my, my producer for 28 years. The luckiest, you know, I don't know radio. <laughs> These are the only people I've ever worked with. How lucky was I to find so many people that were so committed to their jobs so good at their jobs and so loyal to me. That was my luckiest break to get all those people. And the, the, the hardest part when I do leave will be that I'm, I'm not spending time with those people anymore. Cause as soon as I leave, they'll never be my friends again, either. <laughs> oh. No friend. And neither will Kevin, by the way. Oh, I will always be your friend, Angelo. And I, I got to say one thing that Angelo has, I, I look, I've talked to Angelo a lot over the years, whenever I've gone in with big daddy, Big Daddy and him have been two great figures to talk about the business with, especially in the last couple of years with all the changes going on. And Angela, I appreciate you joining us on, on this show. And uh, I, I, I continue, please keep going. Hopefully the, hopefully 
beyond Christmas. I mean, but uh, please keep going and uh, can't wait to hear you again. Just remember Patrick McEnroe in the early 80s. We, we were there. <laughs> that goes back a long way. Kevin, I, that, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Now, please lose my phone number, okay? Absolutely. And never call again. Absolutely. <laughs> thanks, Angela. <laughs> See you later. Be good, Angela. Yeah. Angela Cataldi. Yep. Once again, our thanks to Angela Cataldi for joining us. Always a, you know, when you look at the history of Philadelphia radio and, and sports, Angelo is tied in, obviously, with the Dirty 30 with how long his show has been on the air. And, and there are very few people you could say are actual um, agenda setters. Angela is one of them. Can you imagine if the Dirty 30 had never gone up? Donovan might have had a completely different outlook on on his whole and eh, Donovan would have bitched about something else. But he wouldn't have bitched about that. No, and he would have found the, something that's else. That's the thing, I think, that's stuck in his craw because he still brings it up. You know, and Donovan, it was 30 people. Let it go. And and I remember Ray Didinger, who, you know, won it Ricky Williams. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't the only one because Ricky Williams it was really good. And- Ricky Williams in college was a transcendent figure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And Donovan never got that. <laughs> no, but Donovan was really good. I mean, look, they could have ended up with Achilles Smith. They could have ended up with Couch if, you know, if God forbid Cleveland had gone another direction because I know the Eagles wanted Couch. I think that was the word at the time. Um, and who was the, the guy that went, um, McNair went like ninth or 10th, and he had a really, he had the second best career out of all those guys. He was really good for, for a fairly long while. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting how, it, it's a shame that, that, that there can't be more of a love thing with Donovan. And, and I think Donovan's whacked. So, I, I, yeah, I think there is the, that This too. is as much of a Donovan issue as anything. Right. But I wish it, it wasn't that way because we love Jaws. We love Randall. We should love Donovan. Yeah, we should. But, you know, and we're going to love Wentz we're going to if he stays up and god there's already a statue of foals but that's a whole different sure. story uh time now for our weekly for amusement only picks why we do this? just point me where you want to go take me to the action take me to the track take me to a party if they're in the back i've been working all my life can't afford to wait let me call my wife so i can tell her i've been late i want Ah, uh, there's no such thing as easy money, Mike Kern, is there? <laughs> you know what the easy money is? One time when I was about 15, no, I was a little older than that, like 17, and me and my mom were in there, Kensington, I, that's where you used to go to get clothes. I had to get like a jacket for- Yeah, I know, I know where and you're I found that. Yeah, I found, and I found that there was an envelope laying on the ground. Picked, there was like $100 in it. We looked around, there was nobody kind of there, and so I, I found $100. And that's easy money. That is easy money. But, you know. Trying to bet on football, not easy money. But or, or give every, predictions, but everybody's doing it. The amazing thing is in this world, there's 100 guys that you can listen to who will tell you it's easy money. And if you just listen to them, I remember Dick Girardi did a story years and years and years ago, just having fun with the whole thing about, you know, oh, you're going to give me winners. and then, So at least we preface ours with saying, hey, we may do well this week. We're trying our best. We may not. We may not. And it's also important to remember, we actually probably don't put our, our we, in fact, I can tell you in my case, we don't put but our I real do money on. I try. That's why I feel weird giving them out sometimes because if I'm really not, and I'll tell you that, I'll say, hey, you know, tread lightly here. Yeah. You know, so, and if I really like something, I'll tell you I really like something. All right. Here we go with Mr. Kern. We'll start with college football. Oh, you start. You start out. because Oh, I'm, I start out. You start out. 
I'll, 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 you start out. What are you uh, looking? Where am I looking? You know where I'm looking? You looked at New Mexico, right? Or New Mexico State. Well, I'm looking at first. Go ahead. I'm looking to Southern California. You mean four and a half to the Utah states? No. I'm looking at Oklahoma, who's heading to the Rose Bowl this weekend. Okay. To play the fight in Chip Kelly's. I believed in Chip last week. No way could they lose to San Diego State. I, I teased them because I didn't think they'd lose the game outright. They got blown out. Yeah, I know. It was not good. But Chip says it's okay. Yeah, Chip's, Chip, Chip is revealing himself as a fraud. You know what? I, I'll go with you on this one. This might be one of my picks, too. Oklahoma, I think about Oklahoma it. meanwhile, this is their last big non-conference game. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Who do they got next week? Uh, you have you have the schedule there? It's a conference game. Yeah, they're going in the conference, yeah, obviously. you keep talking, and I'll come up with it. We got look, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is just really good. I mean, you look at Oklahoma Jalen Hurts Oklahoma is there. Oklahoma be off next week. Okay. Jalen Hurts is there. That's a team that I just feel like is a playoff team, and I think this is a statement game for them. Well, they're the, the only team out of the Big 12 that can get, I think, to the playoffs, unless Texas runs the Texas table. Texas has to run the table and beat Oklahoma and twice. And hope that there's not... Beat Oklahoma twice. Right, and hope that there's not some other teams there. I think what we saw with Texas last week is there is a clear difference between Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12. No, I think what you saw was there's a clear difference between the SEC and the Big 12. Big 12, too. The SEC, LSU, is a really good team. They finally got a quarterback. But they might be the third team, Georgia, Alabama. Uh, Maybe they challenge one of those two teams. I don't know. But if Texas is the second-best team in in that league – and you went on the road and beat that team by a touchdown. That's, to me, what it says. It was two good teams. I think Texas is good. I think LSU is better. Yeah, I think LSU is better. But I'm going to go with you with Oklahoma. And I like Oklahoma. Lay the 23 and a half. Yeah, because, and, here, and the reason is, I think Oklahoma is going to put up close to 50. I don't know what that means. Like, somewhere over 40. I don't think UCLA, UCLA has not showed that they can score. No. And even if they put up 21, let's say, I still think Oklahoma can cover that. Yeah. And I'm not sure it'll put up the 21. And Oklahoma, I, just, yeah. I just sense. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think, I think. all right, here's the better question. Does Chip, if this season looks as bad as it could be for, for UCLA, Chip get a third year? Eh, probably not. If it's really bad, I mean, if they go like three and and you know, they may be influenced because what's going to go go on maybe at USC. Oh, my bad. That's okay. The, the standard ringtone. Yes. Yeah, that's all right. We'll turn the phone off. Um, no, I don't know if he gets a third year or not. I, I mean, if it's really bad, if it's like three and nine again, why would you? I mean, what what are you going to sell the people next year? That we're going to get the sit. We're going to get the five or six wins in his third year. And given that there's this rivalry, obviously between USC and UCLA. Yeah, but I don't even think that is. Anything but no, I think UCLA always tries to keep up with the Joneses. No, I don't think. But they, but keeping up with the Joneses is not firing your coach. USC, well, if is, USC ends up firing. Wait, their but coach. USC's got different, different. Um, yeah, they're they're a issues. different issue. Uh, Lynn, you know, there's a whole new administration, and now Lynn's gone. The coach may be gone. He lost his quarterback, but they played well last week. So yeah. Uh, I just think Chip better – he better win like five or – I don't think he can. No, I don't think he can either. All right, my second pick. You know, for Pitt, this is their Super Bowl. And Pat Narduzzi has decided that the most important thing before a Super Bowl 
is to totally freeze your kids out of any conversation. It's the last game between Penn State and Pitt for the next millennium, I think. Ever. Ever. James Franklin will make a statement. I like the Lions. Play to 17. Okay, I told you, I'll go, I'll go with your Oklahoma one. But I'm going to take... I'm going to take the over here. Okay. Go ahead. 51-5. At least that's what it was. Because I think Penn State's going to put some points up. Pitt may put some points up. And I think, as you said, I think the Penn State coach will. Is, I agree. I think Pitt will 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 t- treat this like whatever. Um, but I could but see. But I don't think Pitt has the talent to win the game. Probably, well, they wouldn't be a 17-point Or to come close. Um, they could cover 17. I mean, 17's a lot. It's over. It's a little oversight. But I'm saying I think it's going to be 51 does not seem like a lot of points to me. Because if Penn State gets Especially up, if you have a 17-point favorite. If Penn yes. State gets up in the mid to high 30s. You know, so I'll, t- I'll take a chance with the over. I, I You know. And I'm not an over-under guy, but 51 seems low to me. Now, Penn State did struggle against for through three quarters against Buffalo. Buffalo's yes. not bad. But Buffalo's yeah. not bad. And they were coming off a 70-point game. Or yeah. I think, they're go- I think Penn State's going to score around 40. Like like high thirties, low forty. What do so, you What do you think of the Pat Narduzzi freeze I, I, out again? I don't care about Pat Narduzzi. Good, move on. I, I don't, <laughs> no, really, I don't care. I'm just. I mean, honest. it's a big thing in the middle part of the state. I, I don't care what Pat Narduzzi does. I, I'm, I'm I'm being dead serious. I, I understand. If he doesn't want to let his kids talk, fine. Don't let him talk. We've had coaches that have done that before. It's not the first time we've had coaches in this town freeze people out. Well, he doesn't want his players to talk because he's worried about bulletin board material. Fine. He did, yeah. that, that's fine. He can do whatever he wants. All right. My, that'll be up on the Penn State bulletin board that he's freezing them out. All right. It's, it's fine. My third pick, and this one is going to be painful for me. Um, Look, I love Notre Dame. I love Notre Dame personally. As Mike will tell you, this room we're in is a semi-Notre Dame shrine. But, but... There's no way in the week before the Clemson game, or I'm sorry, the Georgia game, after having a bye, I would lay 35 points. But you do know the team you're playing stinks. I understand. Okay. So you're basically just hoping they win by 25. I think that's probably where it'll go. Plus, remember, Bob Davey has some connections at Notre Dame. Bob Davey will not be there. I think that... Bob, with his you heart, think that it, matters to Kelly. Um, Brian think, Kelly think, strikes Brian Kelly strikes me as the type of guy who would be semi oblivious to that, and I'm, I don't mean he's a bad man. I don't mean it in that context. But Bob Davy was, I don't know. That's just my take. No, my my take is so if he so if I he's think, up, if he's I think up, New Mexico knows how important it is going to be uh, to right. Bob Bob uh, Davy and, and what in New Mexico. How many players that line up for the and I may I'm not disagreeing with you. I would probably take the 35 too. How many players that line up for that team could play for Notre Dame? Are there two? I maybe, think, maybe. But, but there's a couple things working. One, it's okay. Their head coach is not going to be there. I just think that they will play a, at their top of their own level. Just I in a, a win one. Matter, I don't think it matters. In a win play. one for the Gipper thing. Two, Notre Dame coming off a bye. Maybe. They didn't look great against Louisville. They looked okay. Yeah, they looked, they looked, you know, they looked okay. And they get Georgia next week on the road, which is basically their whole season at this point. It's the first, it, you know, it, it, 35 many, is a big number judge, to I, And I would, I'll agree with you. I, I would probably take the 35 too. 
but I'm just not into this. We're gonna we're gonna play hard for no no no. It it, it all depends on Notre Dame. It has nothing to do with with the New Mexicos. If Notre Dame shows up, the final could be it could be forty eight seven. I mean, it, it's just that's how it is. Um, and you're hoping it'll be forty two ten. And then okay, fine. I'm not going to disagree no. with you. I'm just saying is I, I don't. I'm not quite sure. Notre when any time you take a team with 35, you're basically saying I just hope that they, which is fine. That's why they make point spreads. I wouldn't disagree with you. All right, your okay. picks. Now, well, I already college. went with a couple. I gave you a right. Penn State over, and I, I took Oklahoma. Um, the the one, uh, and this is, I don't really have a. I'm going. Well, I am. I'm going to give you a, a a part of a teaser. Florida's laying eight at Kentucky. Kentucky beat Florida last year in Gainesville, which I hadn't. Don't think it happened since pre Spurrier or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tease the Gators down, and I'm going to tease them with the 49ers, not the 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL, who are laying seven and a half at Oakland. They're not losing to Oakland. I I know it's a division short, game. I know it's short a rival week for game. Oakland too. I don't care about the short week. Kansas City is so much better than Oakland. And, and they have all, all the stuff. So I, I would play that teaser. And I know teasers are a sucker bet, so, you know, feel free. But you're basically asking the Chiefs to win and Florida to win. And I think both those things could happen. So there we go. And and one thing, should, should we take take a shot? You want to take a shot at Merlin Temple? Go ahead. Well, Nerd, my, my good friend Mark Narducci, before the season had this as a win for the out. I was wondering why, but... Maryland has been like the surprise team in the early part yeah. of the season. Just slaughtered Syracuse. And by the way, I would think about taking Syracuse in 28 against Clemson. They almost beat them last year at Clemson. I'm sure Clemson remembers that. Yeah. And then they see what happened last week. I think Syracuse can keep that <laughs> against Clemson. What's wrong? Like they can lose by 17, something like that. I'm, I'm just, and it's at Clemson this at, year. I thought it was at Syracuse. All right, I'm sorry. It's at Syracuse. It's at You're Syracuse. Right. And they're getting 28. I'll take a shot with Syracuse in 28 at home. You know, what the heck? That's a that's a redemption game because they looked really bad. Well, yeah, week. and they, and you know what? They may be really bad. Yeah. And Clemson may go up there and clock them. But I would I would take a shot. Um Merlin Temple. So it's seven, seven and a half. Merlin's here. Temple beat them last year down in Merlin, which kind of turned Temple season because they were. That number two. seems low. <sighs> well, the number I was looking at. Plus oh, Temple coming off a bye, which but Temple, over under 64. Merlin scored over 60 in both games. Now, one was against a bad... Yeah. The other is against Syracuse, who supposedly defensively is pretty I good. I mean, 60... And, I, you know, Temple coming off the bye. I mean, 64 doesn't seem like terribly, terribly... But, but I mean, it's almost telling you to bet Merlin in that game. The Owls are at home. It's a, you know, new coach. First real game. But I don't know, man. But you wonder what Merlin's going to be like coming off that game. Mm-hmm. I almost might lean towards the Owl. Okay. Getting to seven and a half. I don't know if the Al can win the game. I will take Maryland. Okay. Uh, only because I, I don't know. I don't have a good enough feel for Temple right now. I, you, well, I don't. This early in the season, I don't have a good enough feel for anybody. Anybody, but I think Maryland. Temple had a bye last week. I don't know if that works for him or against him. You know. Yeah. I mean, tell me how Anthony Russo is going to be. I mean. Well, tell me how many people are going to be there. That too. It's going to be mean, more than the Phillies had last night. Oh. Now, Maryland will bring some people. Yeah, so they, they, they travel that, well. They travel well, and it's it's two hours. So I'm I'm going to guess and a revenge the game. announced crowd. The announced crowd will be high twenties. The actual at crowd? least the actual crowd. The actual crowd will be 20, 21. Because Merlin will bring. I'm guessing Merlin's going to bring three, four, five thousand, and Temple will have their usual fifteen. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. We, we, what are we going to try in the pros here? All right. Uh, you want to go first on the well, pros? Okay. I already gave you. I'm, I'm taking the um, the um, the Kansas Cities as part of that um, little teaser, which is a sucker bet. We'll lose. Let's let's just do this before we go. Eagles, Falcons. What do you think? I Basically, you pick them, right? I mean, it's a, Eagles are a point one. and a half right, right now. Um, and before the season, everybody said the Eagles would be underdogs in that game. Right. I was. I, they are good. not part of my three formal selections. They're not part of mine. This is a stay away game. Yes. Because I think Atlanta needs this game. Yes. I think their offensive line is awful. I, I watched think, a lot I of that I think the Vikings are pretty good. Yeah. So losing to Minnesota is no, you know, the Eagles start slow. For what reasons, nobody can seem to fathom. I think if you put a gun to my head, I would not bet real much, but if you put a gun to my head, I think I'd take the Falcons. Matty Ice never plays good against the Eagles, but the games are always up here, it seems like. Yeah. I just think, I agree with you, I just think the Falcons, the Eagles should be able to get pressure on him, you would think, without blitzing, which is what Jim wants to do. I just think somehow, some way, the Falcons are going to win win this game. Right, Sunday night football. I don't know. Well, I think their season kind of... You hate saying it, but if you're 0-2... Your chances of making the playoffs are, are very are pretty, And especially in that yeah. division when you have New Orleans. Right. Uh, well, you're, well, you're probably going to be the wild card. You're not going to be yeah. the division. Um, but that's what I think. But I, so, I, think, but the I, would Eagles, the I Eagles, think the Eagles are the better team. And that's why I would take... If I had to bet, which I wouldn't... Better team doesn't... As, as I've learned... I would take the Eagles... In my life. I would take the Eagles a point and a half... One thing that scares me about the Eagles was they were not able to generate any kind of pass rush last week against well, last the Redskins. Week the, the Vikings ran the ball all over the place. Yeah. They threw the, they had, I think, nine completed passes. Okay? That's not the Eagles' M.O. No. The Eagles are not going to, I mean, they'll run the ball, but you know Dougie wants to throw. Yep. So, I don't know. The, the interesting thing to me about the card this week is how many teams played like crap last week. Now you're coming back and you're trying to figure out, you, you know, there's a lot of examples on the board here. Um, the one game I think is interesting is Buffalo's giving the Giants a point and a half. Or no, they're getting a point and a half. No, they're giving a point and a half. Back at the stadium where they won last, last week, week by beating against the, the Jets. Jets. I think the Giants, I know the Giants aren't good. I don't think Buffalo's real good either. I, I, you know, they might be a little better. I think the Giants are going to win this game. And I, don't, I can't give you like a good reason Except I don't think they're as bad as they looked against Dallas. Right. And I just think, you know, could Buffalo go down and win two games? In, in, sure. But I'm going to take the Giants. Getting the one and a half at home. Just think Eli's going to play a good game. and Because if the Giants lose this game, <laughs> I mean, not that they're making a run at the playoffs, but their season basically. Well, then you'd start the, the Daniel Jones watch. That is probably... In fact, maybe if they play like crap this week, maybe. I mean, Daniel Jones did see action in that final two yeah, minutes. But I'm going to take the Giants. So important. Getting the point and a half. Uh, all right, so that's your first formal yeah, yeah, NFL pick. All right, I'm I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the Packers. They're at Lambeau this week and laying three to the Vikings. Basically, here's my deal. It's a good game. That's a real good game. And my feeling on this one is simple. I think Green Bay's defense, to me, was as impressive as any unit oh, absolutely. last week ever. Now, I grant Not you. Ever. No, no. I, I mean, uh, of yeah. any of them last Everybody week. Everybody blame Mitch Trubisky. I don't think Mitch Trubisky's great. I think he's good. I think he's pretty good. That was I think hard. he's serviceable. I think he's better than serviceable. But he's not great. You know, he he's not Carson Wentz, but he's not. 
whoever the Jets are going to play this week. You know. Um, so you like the Packers? I like the Packers. I think you'll have better. They're game giving out of, a field goal. They're giving a field goal. I I, I think they'll have a better that's game a huge, out of Aaron Rodgers. That's a huge early season game. It is. The Packers go two and zero. Yeah. But if you lose at home to the Vikings, that's, that's, a, that's a momentum you got, swing. You got to go to Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Now here here's an interesting game, and there's some good games this week. By the way, not one of the games I'm picking, but the Saints go to the Rams. You know, getting almost a field goal in that revenge game from last year, um, which I would probably lean towards the Saints, but. Here's what I like. The Bears at the Broncos. Now, the Bears played like crap at home, scored three points. They've had an extra couple days. The Broncos played Monday night, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're giving two and a half to the Bears. Now, before the season started, the Bears were considered a Super the Bowl The third contender. or fourth pick in the NFC for the okay, Super Bowl. Okay, fine. They had a good year last year. I think the Broncos stink. Their defense is great. Defense is fine. I'm going to take the Bears because one of these two teams is going to go 0-2. And it may be the Bears, but logic just suggests to me that the Bears aren't an 0-2 team. I'm going to flip this on you. I, okay. li- I don't have this as a formal pick. I like the Broncos in this okay, game. Okay, that's fine. And the reason why, Vic Fanzio, their defense coordinator, who's now the head coach of the Broncos, oh, okay. the Broncos, the Bears. Okay. knows every little bit of the Mitch okay. Trubisky experience. I hadn't even thought of that. Okay. You may, I just find it hard to believe that the Bears are going to be 0-2. You, you know, What's the line again? Two and a half. In favor of Denver? No, the Bears are giving two and a half. Bears are good. I would say I think Denver wins the game outright. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I hope you're right because I, you know, I don't care if I'm ever right. The Bears were one of those teams I think that were a little overvalued last year. They were coming off fourth place schedule. Oh no, I get you, but and you're right, and, and I just think they almost have to win this game. I'm not saying you can't recover from, and I don't know what they got coming up after. I know their schedule's a lot harder this year than it was last year. Hey, right, what else you got? All right, here we go. I, there's, uh, you know, go obviously, you know, one of those things that you have to figure out when you're doing the NFL and the NFL picks is travel schedules. Sure. Okay. The San Francisco 49ers go last week. Don't look great in Tampa. Okay. I mean, they really well, they look, look good enough to win. They look good enough to win. As one of my picks, by the way. That, that that was one of those, to be bluntly honest, on Jameis Winston more than anything that the 49ers did. Well, that's what you have to factor in when you try to factor right. in. Right. That Jameis Winston might stink. All right. So they have to go home. Across the country, right? Then travel back to the East Coast, right? And they're playing the Bengals in Cincinnati this week. Who stink, week. by the way? Who stink, but did not play poorly last okay. week. Okay. The Bengals were representative in Seattle. That's fine. Lost by a point. Yep. I'll take the Bengals laid at two. Okay. The Andy Dalton thing may not work long term for this year. Mm-hmm. I think the Bengals have enough to See, win. This I would game. lean the other way. Oh, and I, 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 your logic makes sense. You're flying across. I get that. That's usually not the recipe for success. But I think San Francisco is going to be one of those teams that plays better this year. I'm not I saying think they'll be better at the end of the year. Well, I'm not sure they're quite there yeah, now. Garoppolo, Garoppolo is going to take some time. I think I'm just not a big them. Cincinnati fan. But yeah, you know, here's another one along those same lines. The Chargers are given two and a half at the Lions. Now I, I get you. They're flying from LA. They're going to Detroit. They, the Lions stink. But once again, this is the NFL. Any team can win on any Sunday. But I mean, it, and that looks almost too easy that you should just take the Lions because it looks like the Chargers should not lose that game. How about this one? Indy. I, uh, I was just going to get to that one. The Titans, who looked great last week, giving three to the Colts, who played well, 
Boston without, overtime without their quarterback. Boston overtime. But shouldn't the Titans like? Well, that was that was that was going to be my third pick. My third pick is okay. the Colts get the three and a half. Okay, against the Titans. I think this is the classic case of Week One overreaction. The Titans looked good against a Browns team that could not get out of their own way, yeah. especially offensively. Their offensive line was awful. Baker Mayfield was on the run. May you know you have. Odell Beckham, who just, you know, with the watch and seemed like he was running poor routes all game and everything. Some of that you give credit to the Titans. I took more of that as the Browns were just way too over cocky. The Colts look good in Los Angeles against a team that could go. Well, Frank did a good job list. To the AFC title game. Yeah, I, th- I think if they had Andrew Luck, I, I, think, I don't think the Colts would get to the Super Bowl, but I think they'd be one of like the last four teams in the AFC. I, I think they would have been. Yeah. Because, but. Would have been them, Kansas City, the Patriots, and. Somebody. Somebody else. Chargers, Ravens, somebody. Yeah. Uh, which brings us to the Monday night game. The Clevelanders <laughs> oh now, because the Jets. It's an elimination the game Jets already. Quarterback, well, the, no, the Jets. I'm sorry. The Jets could start 0-6. Mm-hmm. The Jets' schedule is so hard, which, you know, and, and they had hopes of winning nine or ten games this year. That ain't going to happen. But now Darnell is out with Mono. The line went from one and a half or one or whatever it is. Cleveland's now giving six. And you wonder who's playing quarterback for the Jets. You you, you could tell me that. Tra- uh, Trevor kid Sim- from North Trevor Simeon. Um, I mean, I don't know what I, I, I – but the Browns can't lose that game right now. I'm not saying they're going to cover the six and a half, especially after the way they looked last week. But I couldn't play the Jets, could I? Here's the thing, though. The Browns committed 16 penalties last it's week. It's one game, though. One game. I understand. I, I get but it. there's also just the feeling that there's something there, a lack of discipline. Okay. On that team. But the Jets aren't the and, Jets. and with what happened with Darnell, I agree. Look, talent wise, Cleveland and, should win and their this defense, game. Defense they have some injuries. Uh, uh, yeah. And they've got Sam Ficken now is kicking for them. Yeah. yeah but I, but I would stay away because I don't trust the Browns right now as far as I can yeah, throw. You're probably right. I, I would say this about the NFL and every week, but well, I'm gonna say this. There are things that you just look at and you can't like. For instance, Seattle's getting four and a half at Pittsburgh. Okay, I, I get. I, Pittsburgh just lost thirty three. Granted, they lost to the Patriots. I understand all Seattle that. Seattle just survived and Cincinnati. I at know. Home. But, but do, do, do you think Pittsburgh's going to bounce back and cover the four and a half? I, I mean, it, it's there are a lot of games for early in the season. There's a lot of games where teams are looking at zero and two starts, and I think the stat is like if you start zero and two. You have like a ten percent chance of making the playoffs, or some number like that. I, I think when you look at it, you know, I think when you looked at Week One, and this goes to the Eagles. I know the Ravens too. as good as they looked. My God, they they. I mean, they well, they like, weren't. They were playing a minor league team. Well, now they're playing another minor league team. They're playing the uh, Arizonas and giving two touchdowns. Well, I think I would take the two touchdowns in the Arizonas. I will say, Kyler, Just, Kyler Murray in, second, in the fourth quarter in overtime looked incredible, but the except he gets nine passes knocked down, and right. which is and and, some and against point, that against that Baltimore, I defense, think he's tremendous. Good. But at some point, he's going to he's going to get. I think when you look at and you can take this with the Eagles game last week too. Week one is always a bad harbinger. Like you can't look at week one as the be all end all because. Especially now that nobody plays. Through. I don't think you can look at the first four weeks as the be-all end all. No. I think we know one I mean, thing the about brother, the Patriots were 2-2 two and two last year, and everybody was wondering but, if they were going to do whatever. But that being said, I think you can look also at New England. New England's the one team that I think yeah, is defies, as close to a, yeah. a, 
a sure thing. And they have their own issues now, too, with AB. I mean, you know, you don't know how that's going to work out. I mean, they went and traded They're still Mar- pretty good without him. Oh, no. Look, they obviously they won without him last year. I'm just saying is, what if the NFL steps in at some point and says, nah, you know, we're, we're sitting here for four games. You know, conduct, whatever they want to turn. And they could probably survive that. But what if, God forbid, you know, he's going for the year. Okay, you you, you throw somebody else out there, and New England will, because that's what New England does. But they made that, I think they made that pickup with the idea that he was going to be like their Randy Moss was a decade ago. You know, and if and if AB plays anywhere close to AB for that team, mm-hmm. phew, nobody's going to be talking about Gronk. No, and you know this all boils back to also now to the Eagles. The Eagles, look, I thought the second half they looked really good, and if that's the team that you're going to see most of the year, that's fine. I'm worried about their secondary right now. The Malik Jackson thing is really concerning because they couldn't get a pass rush last they're week. Going to, there's going to be, this is going to happen almost every week in the NFL. Somebody's going to lose somebody, and you're going to sit there and go, how do we replace this somebody? Unless it's a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, people lose parts all that they already have. The, the interesting is, think about this. If the Eagles can win this week and the Packers can win this week, I don't know who send the up, Pack has. Up three and up, three well, and I don't know who the Pack has in week three, but the Eagles have the Lions in week three. Um, yeah, I mean, that could set up a – and isn't that is that a Monday game or something? That's a Thursday game. That's a Thursday, a short week. Okay, short week out in Green Bay. Um, that could be monstrous. Yeah, I mean, you you look at and you have Brett Favre. And, I mean, Brett Favre. You have Rodgers and Carson Wentz. That I mean, by the way, I don't think it's a coincidence. By the way, that's going to be Fox's first Thursday night game. NFL okay. Network has the first two weeks here. I lose track of who has. What. Uh, by the way, the Packers get the Broncos next week. Oh, they'll win at Lambeau. Yeah, Packers get three straight at Lambeau. But that, the then, end of their schedule must be hold brutal. On. Then go to Dallas. Yeah. Then two more at Lambeau. They go Detroit. They have Detroit at home. Five Oakland of the first seven or at Lambeau? Five of the first seven at Lambeau. So that means but then, a lot of road games at the end. I was just going to say, I'm looking at the, the rest of their schedule. At Kansas City, at the Chargers. Yeah, that's tough. They don't... They have the final... The, Vikings. the final game at Lambeau for them is December 15th against right. the Bears. Well, they did beat Chicago... At Chicago, At Chicago, which yeah, well, hey, look, nobody said it's supposed to be easy. I mean, no. it, this is why it's it's hard to sit here in September and tell you who's going to be in the Super and, Bowl. And the reason why this game against the Vikings is so important this week, December twenty third, at U.S. Bank. Yeah, so yeah. that's one of those. If you're going to try to win late season, having to go on the road and do it, that's going to be difficult for. Yeah, I mean, you know, teams do go on the road and win games. I mean, we always look. I remember that one year the Eagles had three straight games against the division. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, "Oh my God, how are they going to?" They won all three. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, "I think we make way too much of that." Just like when teams are home. Well, like the Eagles have lost a lot of home games in the last few years. We just forget about it, yeah. and they've gone on the road and had some huge road wins. So I think sometimes you'd like to think the home field is a really, really huge advantage and and it can be but sometimes i think the the vet was a lot more of a home advantage than, than, the, than link. the link i agree with um that. and how about how about before we get how about those cowboys what do you think i mean i know it's one game and they beat the giants and giants much, and they get but the now Redskins everybody's this week. anointing them as and you know what could be interesting though let's say the eagles and the cowboys are both good which it looks like they might be that sets up for, that makes for a really interesting division yeah because does. we hate them they i don't think they, they hate don't us care as much. They, they don't, don't care, care about like us we do no. but you're still, you're, you could be jockeying not only for the division, you could be jockeying maybe for, like, best record. Who who the heck knows yep. how the whole thing. I, I, but I think right now you'd have to say the Eagles, Cowboys, Saints, 
and Rams mm-hmm. and Vikes. Yeah. I'll throw those five out as probably the five. And, and yeah, maybe Green Bay slips in there or another team. But um, the Eagles are one of the they're one of the teams. Yep. And that's all you, they're you in really the hunt. care about. Yeah, they're definitely in the hunt. Thank you, sir. We'll see you next week. Yo. It'll be uh, another fun NFL week. I think I made 22 bets in that segment. Yes, you did. And we'll count six. Thanks for joining us. I don't count. I know you don't count. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Angelo Catali for joining us. This is Work of the Beat. We'll see you next week.